Looks like there's about 12 or 13 of them. I'll make it 16. <laughs> Armando said the old man's got something like 400 Mustangs up on that mesa. Damn. You think you and me could break all 16 of them in four days? <laughs> Why four days? You think we could do it? It'd be about a war out some buck, I'll tell you that. Yeah? Yeah. We'll have a look at him and go talk to Armando. How you doing? I'm all right. If we mess this up, bud, it's gonna be a long ride back to Texas. Hello all, welcome to Flyby Films, a podcast where once or twice a month, using the magic of distance-defying tubes, uh, we get together to discuss films that either have been or will be forgotten. I'm Jameson Barsotti, and sitting next to me in this tiny box is my friend and co-host, Blake. How's it going, Blake? It's uh, going well. It's raining here. Oh, nice. So there's a high possibility that there will be hold music during this episode. Exciting. <laughs> well, on this episode, we're going to be talking about the film The Writer. And uh, you might want to specify how that's spelled, because I told that to my wife and she's like, like someone who writes. Yeah, it's spelled uh, <laughs> R-I-D-E-R. Yeah. So um, it's like someone who rides something. But good call out, Blake. Um, but interestingly, I think as we foreshadowed in one of our intro sodes, uh, this is the first film on the podcast not chosen by us. And so I'd also like to welcome to the podcast for the very first time, our, our guest friend and listener, Nate Paquette. Hey guys. Good to see you. Glad to be here. Yep. Except, uh, Jamie, my last name is pronounced Paquette. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Nate is just... Nicely done. Nate is Nicely just done. fucking with me. No, that is... No, I'm not oh, fucking it, with you. That is... Is it Paquette? It is actually, oh. it is actually Paquette. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I've it been seemed like, I uh, remember on an early it? episode... That in an early episode that um, that Blake had said your last name incorrectly. It was the very first episode. Oh, so are we starting a trend then? This is what yeah, we have to starting do. Starting a trend. <laughs> we have to if, if we if we know how to say the person's last name correctly, we have to intentionally mispronounce it so that they can correct us. I have a confession to make. Okay, Blake, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Uh. Collier? Yeah. Oh, good. It's, I, it's not that hard, actually. But, like, I... Unless you're a telemarketer, and then you're like, is Mr. Collier there? 
your your last name, I guess because I mostly read it, mm-hmm. is uh, it it freaks me out to say because I'm like, oh, is it Collier, Collier, mm-hmm. or you know all those things. Collier, Collier. Yeah. Well, I feel good about getting that off my chest. Well, you know, you know what that, you know what Collier means, right? No. It means coal well, miner. Oh. That's what they used to call coal miners back in the day, were colliers. Hmm. I've got the working class in my blood. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so what is everyone drinking tonight? I see we're all uh, enjoying some kind of beverage, but... Uh, I'll go first. I am drinking... Uh... Safeway Signature Select Whiskey. Ooh. Which, wow, Jamie. Wait, wow. let, me ex- let me explain. Let me explain. You bring out the good stuff for the podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, bring out the good stuff. Uh, it was $14 whiskey, and it tastes like $20 whiskey. So I feel like I got it's a deal. deal. There you go. I'm enjoying those seven extra dollars. Nice. <laughs> well, I'm drinking a $40 whiskey. Ooh. Nice. Does Which it taste some... like a $40 whiskey? Yeah, I mean, it's Woodford Reserve. It's the classic. Oh, I love it's it. so good. Oh, and I've made, a little old, I've made a little old-fashioned with it, though. So a few bitters, yeah. a, little, a little sugar, a cherry. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> Woodford Reserve is good stuff, man. Yeah, it's my go-to. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I always have around. I've got the uh, I've got a local brewery here, Heirloom Rustic Ales. Their milk stout, Morning Devotion. Ooh, I love a milk stout. So, that is what I'm drinking. I'm drinking the last one my wife got them for me this last weekend, and been sipping on them throughout the week. And so, figured I'd save the last one for this fine, fine podcast experience. <laughs> nice. I feel special. Knowing that, well, I'm just I'm just glad to know that that you brought the good stuff, the thirteen dollar <laughs> whiskey. Oh yeah, yeah. To the proceedings. Def- yeah, I thought I would I would class it up, you know. Uh, yeah. Is it good whiskey? Uh, it is a good uh, bargain whiskey. So if I you... didn't even know Safeway Select had a whiskey. I didn't either, and then I was in this. <laughs> this section and i was like i i can't justify buying an expensive whiskey right now i'll just try this and i was pleasantly surprised it's decent it's i mean it's I very get, yeah i i get uh like trader joe's whiskey sometimes mm-hmm. like it's like a, it's like a 20 dollar whiskey and it's 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 fine it's pretty good it's good for a mixer trader joe's has some good good alcohol um actually I wonder if we're just uh, sharing our privilege here. Uh, Blake, can you get Shit. hard alcohol at, <laughs> at Trader Joe's in Oklahoma? Uh, I have probably been inside of Trader Joe's here in Tulsa maybe twice. Okay. My wife usually goes. And I don't recall. I, I, if, I mean, Oklahoma is no longer. Like, they don't do the whole, like, you can only sell four uh, percent beer anymore mm-hmm. that's that's been gone for about four or five years now 
Um, so yeah, if they can sell it, they probably are. I just don't yeah. know. I remember so. when I was when I was in Virginia, you could only get beer and wine at uh, at stores, and you had to buy hard alcohol from like government stores. So mm-hmm. I couldn't get alcohol from Trader Joe's, which was up to that point kind of my main go to for different types of alcohols. But yeah. yeah. But they have they have good deals. I actually have a gin that I got from uh, a distillery in Texas that was like under ten dollars and it's pretty good. So uh, Well it's Texas. Yeah. Everything is Trader Joe's. Yes. <laughs> in Chico, not in Virginia anymore. Yeah. Not in not in Texas. Not in Texas. I mean in the perfect world we would get everything from the government. Hmm. All right. Are, are are we going in that direction? Right off the bat. I don't want to go in that direction. <laughs> I think yeah, I think that'll take us take us down down a ways. <laughs> I, I just want to I just want to draw the picture for uh the people listening to the podcast after I said that. Jameson and Nate got very uncomfortable and they both started <laughs> drinking their drinks profusely and it was uh went over well. I think we're yeah. all on the same page. And there's a time and a place for that conversation, but yeah. not now. I don't think this is it. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I think I think a podcast that asks the important questions like, have you seen this movie, bro? is not the place for that conversation. Well, okay, to be fair, <laughs> I feel like you guys do talk about real things on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not just have yeah. you seen this movie, bro. Yeah. So, Although, I do like to think of our podcast as as mainly revolving around that question. So Yeah. 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 It's a good question. It is. Dude. It's important. Yeah. Dude, where's my movie? <laughs> Dude. Dude. Hey, can I, uh, can I petition for a <laughs> podcast game change? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that is pretty brilliant, actually. Yeah, Dude, Where's My Movie is pretty good. Uh, I do want to just say, whenever I have Nate over, he is our bartender. So, like, he makes really good drinks. So when he's sitting there saying, oh, I made myself an old fashioned, I'm actually like getting kind of jealous of his drink. So you're you're pissed is what you're saying. <laughs> no, I I, I'm just sulking in my in my uh, Safeway Select. I didn't smoke this one, but I do have a smoker that I often smoke my old fashions, but I ran out of time. And so I didn't smoke this one. That's but. fair. I do love I do love to bartend. I mean, I've never bartend for real. I just like to bartend for my friends. But over COVID, I kind of learned to just like a lot of people. You know, I learned how to make sourdough, and I and I bought a lot of alcohol. So, you know. oh, you were a bread maker too, like everyone else. I was I was a bread maker before, but I never delved yeah. into the realm of sourdough, sourdough. until COVID. I actually it's got the, my starter from Jamie. It's really the best bread. So it is. Yeah, yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. My starter lasted long enough for me to learn how to make sourdough and give some to Nate, and then I killed it. And Nate has and been. And then carrying... I gave you some back. 
and I killed that too. I do need some. <laughs> well, I did make I did make a big move in between then, and I don't know when it was. I I don't know. A lot has what, happened in the past year. So what big move did you make? Oh, I just moved from an apartment into the place that we're at, just across no. town. It I'm wasn't like, that. No. I was like, I'm pretty sure it was more than a year ago that you traveled across country. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I think I'm getting oh two days away of a year being in our place now, our our house. Seriously, our, it's been that long. Yeah. It's been God. a year. Yeah. Oh man, time. Yeah. It's a tricky bitch. So, um, <laughs> I I wanted to ask Nate a little bit about himself. So. Um, I feel like so that if you is... could if you could vamp for the next fit ten to fifteen minutes, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here, I'll, I don't know. I'll... If I, I'm not that exciting. I don't know if I've got that <laughs> no, much to no, say. No, no, no. I'd love I'd love to hear just a little bit about Nate, and I think the other listeners would also. I'll I'll maybe give kind of an introduction so it's not like a cold open to Nate, but like I met Nate through my friend Greg. Um, Greg had, uh, he, in his twenties kind of spent time trying to figure out his, his spiritual journey. And it, one of, one of the journeys that it led him on was to this, uh, church in San Francisco called church of the sojourners. Um, and, um, I don't want to give too much away about that because I think Nate could <laughs> give a better sell of that. But um, but I think it was a really uh, big thing for my friend Greg, and I was I was good friends with Greg, and through him I met Nate, and that was probably like I don't know ten years ago at this point, something like that. So I think I've known Nate probably. for yeah ten years now. But and it's only in the, been in the past few that we've really gotten to know. Yeah, in in the about. past like I don't know four or three or four years um i think our friendship has really bloomed and um he comes up to chico which is about three hours away from san francisco and uh we read books and book clubs together and things like that so uh nate's a really cool guy and we should be feel pretty lucky that he wants to grace us with our time so Considering so that's the only one who has listened to every episode um, of this podcast. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't him, think that's true. Him and Thad. Uh, my. I think my sister has also. Don't, I was going to say, don't your sisters listen? To <laughs> yeah. You know, family. My family doesn't listen to the shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does man. Kira listen? Kira Do either listens. of your wives listen? Kira listens. My my wife does not listen. No. <laughs> Did she at least listen to the episode she was on? No. <laughs> also, yeah, I guess we did have two guests on before Nate, but yeah. they were on for five minutes, and that barely counts. And they're really, I mean, if you if you take the, a more theological approach, we're pretty much the same person, so, I mean, is it really a guest? <laughs> <laughs> so so half right, of you moving on half of you loved uh 
loved Be Kind Rewind and half of you hated it. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm conflicted. Yeah. Well, that that's my introduction to Nate. Um, so, Nate, uh, yeah, tell us a bit about where you're at, what you do. Um, yeah, well, I am, yeah, I live in San Francisco. I've been here in San Francisco for about 15 years, 15 and a half or something. I don't know. And I moved to San Francisco to join this little cult uh, called Church of the Sojourners. <laughs> um, we're not actually a cult, but we get that question quite often, whether we're a cult or not. But we're, we're this little uh, this little church in the Mission District of San Francisco. We own uh, four houses in the Mission, and uh, we, we uh, share money, we share life, we share all kinds of things. Calendar, you know, we kind of do life together in this really deep way. We try to love one another, try to um, live simply in order to do what we feel like God's calling us to do. So um, that's kind of the brief, the, the brief thing about us. Um, I don't know how much you want to know, but <clears throat> I, yeah, I actually, brief. I was actually curious what, uh, how did you first hear about, sojourners the internet the internet <laughs> i found yeah i found i was looking for an intentional christian community and searched them searched for them and did, found, did you actually uh, type in intentional christian community into google i did i did, I did. Right. and then you put san francisco at it like right i did not i did not oh, i would have you were just you're going anywhere like, i matter. was going well i was i was going anywhere mm-hmm. i was gonna do anything um, see the thing about sojourners that drew me was they had like a year long apprenticeship program, which was what Greg did, um, which is kind of like just a year to like, try it out, you know, see what life is like and give it a go for a year. And then after a year, uh, you're free, of course, to move on and do whatever you want. But, um, 15 and a half years later, I'm, I'm still there. So I found something that, that I really love. So, but yeah. I just searched intentional Christian community on the internet and found sojourners. I I'm from South Dakota. I would have <clears throat> never dreamt. I'd never been to San Francisco. <laughs> I would have never, I've never been to, I'd never been to California until I visited for a, for a long weekend just to check them out. And I was like, well, I can do it for a year and then we'll see. But yeah, California was not even on my radar and I'm glad I'm here. So Okay, so so this is the question that I'm sure everyone is is thinking about. You're you're from South Dakota. How did you, a, a guy from South Dakota, come across the even the concept of intentional Christian community? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, I grew up, I grew up Lutheran. I grew up a Christian, you know, my whole life, and so it's always been deeply part of. Yeah our family life and just, you know, kind of very, very much who I am. And, you know, I just started reading books and I just started craving something more than just a Sunday morning experience or, you know, I was a youth pastor for a while, so I'd kind of done that gig. And so I had um, definitely thought about, you know, you know, is it more than just a Sunday thing for me already, but just wanting something a little bit more holistic that took, you know, to do with a group of people. And I'd actually, you know, I'd read some books. I'd read this book called 
Irresistible Revolution by Shane Claiborne, mm-hmm. which is kind of this big book that came out. You guys yep. may have heard of it. <laughs> so, um, and that kind of spurred some things in me and everything. And I'd actually talked to some friends about starting an intentional Christian community. And they were like, yeah, that sounds pretty fun. And then we would get together and talk about it. And they're like, yeah, that's not really for me. <laughs> you know. So I finally just kind of tried to move in with some people who are already doing it and they had already been doing it for like i don't know when i moved here they were already doing it for like 20 years or something they're about 25 wow. yeah. years i don't know something like that so they had already been doing it a long time and kind of knew something so so but it was my intention just to come for a year and kind of check it out and uh i don't know i went to school in minneapolis so i was planning on moving back there but ended up uh really digging it here and ended up sticking around. So that was going to be uh, my next question was the way uh, you kind of described it about not like, not, not ever in a million years imagining you'd end up in, in San Francisco. Like I remember I now I'm from California, but like I'm from a rural part of California. And I remember the first time I kind of went to San Francisco without my parents or anything like that. I was like, just overwhelmed but um you would spend some time in in minneapolis as you said yeah was was san francisco overwhelming to you at first or was it like oh this is just kind of a place yeah it wasn't that overwhelmed i mean i think growing up i always kind of knew that i wanted to live in a big city like Mm. like leaving leaving and i come okay i come from rapid city south dakota which is Mm -hmm. the second largest city in south dakota which is about 65,000 people. (laughs) So so it's, you know, but it's still, you know, it's not a city by any means, but it's, you know, um, not by like, it's a a rapid city city. standards. It's a rapid city. Yeah. Rapid city. (laughs) (laughs) Real fast there. And, uh, and so so, you'll miss it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so actually it's, it's probably bigger in space. Yeah. probably than san francisco oh san i do not tiny. doubt it yeah you know san francisco is tiny although it probably takes about the same amount of time to drive across rapid city as it would it probably takes more time to drive across san francisco just traffic wise i also yeah. don't doubt that yeah <laughs> so I've spent... i ride my bike most places but yeah so anyway where were before we before i visited from exactly san francisco for the first time I, oh uh, yeah I only knew it. F- I only knew San Francisco from the movie Bullet, the classic car yeah. chase. Car Steve chase McLean. scene, yeah. Famous. That's the only. That's the only thing I knew about. It. And then I actually went there and with a, a few of my friends, we were driving cross country to Sasquatch Music Festival in Seattle. <laughs> we got our car towed. <laughs> classic. So that's a that's a great. You know, I enjoyed my you time. You haven't been to San Francisco that. unless until you've gotten your car towed or gotten that's true. That's true. Hundred dollar tickets, so. parking tickets. So yeah, yeah, parking yeah. in San Francisco is so confusing. But yeah. we have yeah. a garage, so we can park two of our cars in the garage. We share cars too, but we can park two of our cars in the garage. So that's, that's awesome. Nice. Yeah. So how do y'all deal with conflict? Um, like, do, I mean, is there like an actual think... set like practice? No, or is there, or you just we don't, we don't have people. 
<laughs> we try not to do either of those. We, do, we try not to beat people. Um, I mean, I think not, not, tried... not beat people, just be people and oh. deal with conflict like people. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what we do. But we actually yeah. deal with it. I think our goal is to not just run from conflict and just leave, yeah. but actually deal with it and yeah. um, and actually sit down and have conversations. I mean, I think we have we've learned some things along the way. You know, I think mm-hmm. we've learned to, you know, to kind of reflect back what we hear people saying. And so we make sure that we're actually listening to what people are saying. But obviously we have conflict. I mean, when you live together, I mean, you're going to have conflict. And when you're dealing with, you know, big ideas and things, you're going to have conflict. And so we definitely have it. But I mm-hmm. think I think we've we've gained some tools of how to do that well. And, you know, I think there's always a balance between speaking you know speaking hard things but also trying to do it gently and yep so yeah so but i think our our thing is like you know i don't think we always do conflict super well but but we also do it mm-hmm. <laughs> or i feel like there are lots of places where lots of places in life where people just don't do it and they just run from it and never deal with themselves or the people they live with so a lot of it is especially, conflict, especially these days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm 48 and a single person and I love being single. And I think, you know, I think in marriage and things, that's where people learn to grow up a little bit, mm-hmm. hopefully, you yep. know, and I think Sojourners has been that for me. It's helped me to, to grow up into some commitment and not to run and to kind of do, do what I need to do and do the work that I need to do to mm-hmm. actually be able to live with people because I'm certainly not perfect. And so I've certainly had to do some work and went to therapy and, you know, have done, have done what I've needed to do in order to, to be, to live with people well and to, to do life with people well. So, but I wouldn't have had to do that work had I not probably, you know, if I would have just chosen to live by myself, I probably would have never had to do that work. So yeah, I'm happy to have done that work. Yeah, that's that's a cool point. Like thinking about it as as a married person, you do have that other person to kind of practice conflicts mm-hmm. with and all of those things. And yeah, you still like the ideal is that you learn those things with this person, but uh but it takes work, you know, just the yeah. same. It takes going through the the <laughs> going through the stuff and yeah. And, and then you add kids into the equation. Yeah, yeah. and I I actually (laughs) wanted to mention, so uh, Sojourners, though, you have a diversity of ages, too, right? Like, you've got got kids to to seniors. Yeah, I live with a family of four, um, and so, and with two kids. Uh, One is a fifth grader, one is an eighth grader, and so uh, one is, yeah, 11 and 14, I guess, and uh, they're great, and they help you know, I enjoy them thoroughly. And so it's really good to have to live with kids for sure. They keep, they keep the joy around and, you know, it's fun to play, uh, to play the pots and pans during dishes. And I don't know, we just do a lot of fun things to, you know, I, I, I love living with a family. I do. They're great. And it's really been great to have kids around. And, you know, I'm actually the godfather of the, another family who lives at a different house, but I'm the godfather of those kids. And, you know, I've known those there's, you know, that kid is one of their kids. They have a also a f- fifth grader, fourth, 
fifth grader and an eighth grader as well. And, you know, I've known them since they were born. So. Wow. That's awesome. So I'm good. I'm, I'm so excited for my kid to get to the fun stage. Um, cause he's, your, your kid is not in the fun stage right now, Jamie. <laughs> he's, he's really boring right now. <laughs> I've just, you, I've, say that, I've, you say that and then it actually happens and you're like, ah, I kind of missed the boring stage. Oh, please, <laughs> please go back to the boring stage where you just slept all the time. Uh, no, no, he's great. And he's actually getting uh, getting more exciting every day. He's smiling and stuff like that. But yeah, he, he doesn't really do anything yet, um, which is, is perfectly fine. He's a baby. He has a good excuse. So, um, yeah. You better start him performing here before too long. That's that's what <clears throat> that's what life is performance. Well, I don't really know how how we're gonna get more uh, podcast guests or podcast listeners if we don't grow them ourselves. So uh, true. I need to at least get him to that stage of being yeah. able to listen to podcasts. So. And then it's the other point of making him listen to his own dad on a podcast, which is a whole nother level. Yeah. I'm pretty sure your kid's gonna like watching movies, though. I mean, I yeah, I think it's I think part he'll of have culture. To, he'll have to be a pretty big rebel to not want to watch movies with me. Yeah, but um, but I think I think movies are pretty universal, and it probably will depend on you know if if I can invite him into that world well. Um, but even if I don't, like, I remember watching movies with my dad, and he wasn't good at all with inviting me in to, like, different worlds. Like, I actually, like, I didn't watch sports with him, and he was way into sports because that was, like, his his own thing. And so he would record sports and wait until everyone was asleep and watch mm. it just to him. Um, and he wasn't great with movies either, but he would share them with us. But we would watch them and he would pause every five minutes and talk about how awesome everything was. And it's like, Dad, <laughs> oh, wow. let's, let's just watch the movie. Um, wow, but I cool. still have have good memories of watching movies with my dad, despite the fact that he was a terrible movie watcher. So that is. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was the exact opposite. <clears throat> he would just watch movies. He would just turn them on. Damn the consequences. I, I've probably mentioned I mean, that I watched plenty of movies I shouldn't have watched when I was younger. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how old you are, Blake, but I grew up in a time where, like, movies... I mean, we just... Like, we had to rent a VHS player. Yeah, We rented no, a VHS I, player yeah. and then rented VHSs and, you know, came home and spent an hour no, trying I, to figure out how to hook up our VHS mm-hmm. player. <laughs> I have vague recollections of that. That was when I was that was younger, but yeah, yeah. I I mean I'm I'm 39, okay. be 40 this year. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's I do remember that. I remember the big deal having your own like VHS player was huge, yeah. <laughs> and then figuring out how to like uh, to tape over the tabs. Oh man, so you, you had to like get over. the screwdriver out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Sometimes. we ever rented a VHS player, but uh, we didn't get a DVD player until 
think I mentioned this until like 2002 when I bought a PS2. So it was all VHSs for us. Yeah. My parents thought it was old bollocks. They're like, bah, it's not going to do anything. Well, you know, they were kind of right because zoom up 10 years later and now everything's digital or digital, 15 yeah. years. Yeah. No one has physical copies of anything anymore. DVD had a sh- short time span. Yeah. I mean, they technically still exist, but who who actually... Oh, wait, yeah, you do buy them. That's right. <laughs> I buy them. I buy them. You buy VHS? Or you buy no, DVDs? No, DVDs. I buy DVDs <laughs> okay. and Blu-rays. <laughs> yes, yeah. I've seen your DVD, co- DVD collection, but... Yeah. <laughs> but like when you watch... For instance, when you watch The Writer... Did you actually watch it on your on the DVD? Yeah, I bought the DVD and I watched it on the DVD. I actually didn't even see if it was streaming anywhere. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. I yeah, but I I don't have Hulu, so I actually rented it for like three ninety nine on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. No, I find that I used to get really excited and then about how how many movies were on these streaming services. And then I realized I was boxing myself in at, at one point to like only watch the movies on the streaming services. I'd be like, oh, sure. I can't watch that because it's not on Netflix yet. And then I'm like, it's two, three dollars either at Redbox or on <laughs> YouTube. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's just a, a digital transaction there. Why don't I break free of this this streaming prison I have in my mind? And I finally was able to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, ma- I make this the internet a, work for me now. This is a little known story that that uh, Jameson buys physical copies of all the movies that we watch. Yeah, and I, I buy that. digital copies. You buy the digital yeah. copies. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm OCD in my minimalism. I don't like stuff. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, Jamie's got a huge wall of just movies. Well, half a wall. Yeah, it's movies. not it's not as big as it could be. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's what uh, they all say. <laughs> that's the <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna take it then. <laughs> Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> you, you earned that drink, Nate. Um, yeah. So I did want to point out that, that earlier tonight I did text Jameson. I was like, uh, I'll be surprised if we make it through this podcast without all three of us crying at the end of it. <laughs> it's like, this was my first time to see the movie. Uh, I had heard so much about it. I just never had gotten around to watching it. And I think it would have probably been more powerful if I'd gotten to actually watch it in one sitting. But I had to mm. do it in two sittings, which is kind of the norm for me these days. Uh, do you you have kids, Blake? You have kids. I've got one kid and one on the okay. way. Woo! Nice. Yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think that's a big How- podcast announcement. 
I would like to say, because I don't think oh, we mentioned that. Oh, have I not said that. it on the podcast? Well, I don't think I you said it on the podcast. Shit, son. I didn't want to say it, and I also didn't want to goad you into saying it either, because it was your news. So, anyway, I mean, I'm just going to underline it. This is a this is a, an intentional podcast community. I share yeah. I share <laughs> with you, Jameson. Yeah. And, and I trust it's that you will. Intentional podcast <laughs> community. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, yeah. Funny. I, I've got a, I've got another kid on the way in August. August and how old 30th, is your, I believe. is your first kid? Is your other He's, kid? He's uh, two years. Okay. So terrible twos. Uh, and his name is something ago. very close to Jamie's, to Jameson. Seamus. Jameis. Yeah, Seamus. Seamus yeah. with yeah. Seamus. Seamus. As in as in Seamus Heaney. The poet. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> um Seamus and Hazel are very close, not in age, but in birth date. Uh they That's true. uh Hazel's birthday is November twenty eighth, and and is is uh, December 1st? Yep. Yeah. And Blake's is right smack in between. Yeah, he was born three minutes after my birthday. Yeah. Oh, wow. 12.03, December 1st. And he's been September. a turd about it ever since. <laughs> De- December 1st? December 1st. December 1st. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's he's fun. Tonight he uh, he went to bed with a <clears throat> his quote unquote monkey book, his Bluey doll, because Bluey is the greatest show on TV right now. It's pretty funny. I, I'm not I'm not even kidding. It's no, pretty it's great. wonderful. We watched it. We act. We watched it at my work today. Oh, actually. it's yeah, it's amazing. Um, and I'm trying to convince I'm trying to convince uh, Jamie to do it. I I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure I'll he's, get around to it. He's falling into the whole like if it's if everyone's saying it's good, it can't be <laughs> that good kind of trap. And in no, this case, it actually is good. I haven't heard good. a bad I haven't heard a bad thing about it from anyone, and even like other curmudgeons that <laughs> I trust their taste, they're also saying like, "Oh, it's it's good." So yeah. I'm sure I'll give it a try right now. Hazel doesn't watch anything like he watches our faces. Like I said, he's just a very, he's very simple tastes right now. Um, but, um, but I think, I think we're going to try to limit screen time for a while. But once, once, uh, I think two years after that point, we'll like show him some of these things, if not sooner, if we break down and just, you know, let him watch TV before. Yeah, just just wait till you both have to work and the daycare says uh, we're closing down for the day because of snow. And then Mr. Rogers and Bluey will be your your teachers for the day. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think Chico will ever get shut down because of snow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Chico will never get. That's a good point. That's a good point. No, there might be other reasons. Other things. And, yeah, yeah, and fire and. Fire, yeah, that's true. That's smoke, true. smoke, but hopefully smoke not. Smoke on the water. Fire. <laughs> smoke, 
Smoke on the non-existent water in California. Yeah, that's true. Wow, hey, this year's that been got better. really depressing. <laughs> this year's been better. Yeah, this no. year uh, we had a very positive rainfall um, this year. Yeah. And, and snowfall. So much. In those yeah. yeah. Which is the There's best of. Good snowpack right now. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. But this isn't an ecological podcast. This is a no. movie podcast. I mean, it can be if we wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Depends we on the movie. We can talk about whatever we want. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nate and I just got done reading uh, Principle, or Principle, Parable of the Sower, uh, yeah. which is all about that. So, yeah. yeah. Haven't read it yet, but I've heard great things. You know, it was fine. The setting was incredible and really cool. Uh, I was a little underwhelmed. And I don't want to speak for Nate, but I think we've had this conversation. Yeah. I was also (laughs) underwhelmed. I I really like Butler. I've read I read her uh, Xenogenesis series and I thought it was really good and super Mm -hmm. interesting. And really complex and had a lot of layers to it going on. And I thought Parable of the Sower was kind of flat. But I know, you know, the other thing, though, I have to say is, I wonder, I mean, this was, let's see, it was written in 93, I think. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I don't know how much, like, dystopian stuff had been written by 93. I probably some, obviously, but quite a bit. But I feel like. I wonder if she was like some of these have become tropes yeah. and maybe yeah. they started there or something. And so when I go back and read it, you know, I have to keep in mind that when it was written, it was probably more edgy than what we see it as now. But I thought the characters were kind of flat, but mm-hmm. I, it was fine. I was glad to have read it. It's been on my list for a long time to read. And so I'm glad I read it, but I think some yeah. of her other stuff is a lot more complex and a lot more interesting that I've read. That's fair. Yeah, and I I think everything Nate said, I I agree with. Um, I you know there there was a lot of things about kind of the world that she built that I thought was cool and kind of clever, mm-hmm. and some of the ideas that she had going into it. But the characters who kind of carried the story were pretty flat. Didn't have it, it's interesting because one of the big things about the book is change and it didn't feel like the characters <laughs> changed that much. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what that means? Once they make a movie out of it, we'll cover it. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of surprised it hasn't been made into a movie. Yeah, it definitely feels... Uh, like ready for a movie. I it could yeah. be a movie really easily. I mean, not easily, but like I'm sure it would take a lot of work. But it seems like a very filmable book. And I feel like she's come into like a kind of a a new phase of of the steam the last mm-hmm. five, six, seven years. Yeah. So yeah, it's been kind of crazy. I feel like in the New York Times, there's always like every other month or something, there's a new article about somebody <laughs> writing something about Octavia <laughs> Butler. I'm like, this is. I don't know if it's just showing up on my stuff because I've been reading her, or if it's actually yeah. if it's, she's been been writing. You know, people are just interested in her again. It's probably a little bit so, of both. Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so Nate, tell us about 
why you picked the writer. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing it like I didn't see it in the theater, but I wish I would have. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't see it in the theater. I, I don't remember even where I heard about it, but I just remember, you know, catching the news, catching kind of the the film news. And I was like, oh, this was filmed in South Dakota. I need to see this film. And I remember watching it with some friends here and just like kind of being blown away by it. And mm-hmm. it's been one for a long time that's been on my list to like to like watch again. And man, I'm so glad I did. I think watching it a second time, I was just, you know how sometimes you're just, depending on your place in life or whatever, things just hit you. And this movie just like, man, the end, I was, I was a mess. Yeah. I cried. I cried hard. And it crazy. Well, I don't want to, you know, we'll get there. But, but like, I, I just watched the last scene again to right before this. Cause I was like, I don't remember all that. Cause feel like I'm getting old and I don't always remember things, but that I just sat here in my yeah. chair watching the last scene again and crying again, just like, man, it's powerful. It's a powerful film and beautifully filmed. Oh, I just think it's that gorgeous. It's yeah. yeah. I think, I think the other piece that draws me to it is the South Dakota piece. Um, also I work with um, people with, Oh, I, I work in the school system and I work with, I work in a uh, mod severe classroom. I work with kids in wheelchairs and, um, and I think the disability piece of just some of the minor characters, um, his sister Lily um, in it, and um, and Lane. Lane Scott, gosh, mm. you know, and just people with disabilities being filmed with such dignity, where it's their disability yeah. is is there, but it's not it's not what the movie's about. And I think that's one of the things that draws me to this film. I mean, it's filmed on Pine Ridge, you know, the Indian reservation, but it's not about Pine Ridge. You know, mm-hmm. it's about these characters and there's Lily and Lane Scott and it's not about their disability. Like so many movies who's, you know, kind of over, I don't know. This movie was so subtle and mm-hmm. it, you know, that's why I liked it. You know, there was, anyway, there, there's so many great things about it that, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this week. Well, like, it, yeah, I think that's, those were the it, things that drew yeah. me to it. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it was this movie that wasn't over sentimental at all. Mm, yeah. And that was, that, that was a piece that was really great to me. So mm-hmm. these characters, the that's, that's what I always gorgeous. find odd about movies like this, this kind of push for more representation in films is this movie did it in a way that I think is beautiful and thought-provoking and that especially with lily um because on some level uh, <laughs> on some level there's a you know lane scott he he kind of does play a little bit of a part like his his uh his handicap is part of the story but it's not like front and center lily though is just a character uh, and, yeah. and it's a lot of the times problem with the representation in film especially is that it's like pointing at it like exactly. hey look look at what we've got here you know look look yep. here and they don't they don't want to do that in this yep. film and and i really respected that that choice totally and it treats it treats those characters with such dignity i think yeah. of just like a being of being real people and not using their disability as as a prop or something 
it's you know mm -hmm. it's used as these these are people and that who have dignity and you know it doesn't it doesn't talk about lily's disability yeah lane scott's you know disability is there but that's you know it is more front and center but and it you know it kind of just ties in with with you know the main characters kind of yeah the whole thing so that's what i was gonna say is they it it all seems to kind of flow from from him so uh from brady um because these characters these are it's his real best friend and it's his real sister which is kind of fascinating yeah i remember I remember watching it for the first time and not really knowing that piece. I just watched it. And then I did research afterwards and I was like, holy shit, that's his dad. Yeah. That's his yeah. sister. That's his best friend. And these, and those guys around the campfire, that campfire scene yeah. is something else. And yeah. those were his friends. Those are his friends, you know? And so yeah. it's just like this, this really beautiful way of filming a film, you know? He I was mean, actually just, getting the tattoo while they were yeah. acting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was getting a tattoo on film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, it's a. <clears throat> I went into. I mean, I knew a lot of that stuff. Like, I knew that they were, they were real people. It's vaguely based on his actual story. Uh, I think he said in the interview that you sent us, uh, it was about 60% his life story mm -hmm. and then 40% yeah. fiction. Um, but I think I'm, I'm not sure I was prepared for exactly what Chloe Zhao is it mm -hmm. was doing so. with yeah. the filmmaking. Um, the flawlessness of or the seamlessness of how she kind of combined the the documentary and fictional elements it was kind of just mind-blowing um how she was able to pull that off and not only that but get these uh i was telling my i was trying to explain this to my wife last night because she still hasn't seen it and i was like no so it's it's like real people but they're acting their actual life story and, and all this. So it's like some of the dialogue is stiff because guess what? Mm -hmm. Dialogue in real life is stiff sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and it was just so realistic in that sense. And, and, and yet she was able to get this, this poetry out of the stiff dialogue. It, it was stunning to me yeah so. it was it's it's just yeah i think that's a good word it's stunning i mean it's a stunning uh yeah and i think part of the poetry comes from the way it, like the cinematography and the land itself um so i mean the land itself is just i mean i'm a little bit biased because it's where i'm from yeah uh, i live about probably about an hour away from where it was filmed probably i live you know those those things in the back the the kind of the land in the background is the Badlands. Um, so. One, um, beautiful. So. one thing I, I appreciate about this movie, watching that interview that um, you sent us, uh, Chloe Zhao says uh, one of her 
one of her inspirations is, is Terrence Malick. And you can see that. But for me, it actually, uh, kind of what we're talking about, this, this documentary feel, uh, it actually solves a fundamental criticism that I have of Terrence Malick's work. Which whoa, is, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, whoa, sorry. <laughs> whoa. You have a criticism of Terrence Malick? I have a fundamental. How dare you? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I was going to warn you guys, but I didn't. Um, everyone and everything in Terrence Malick's movies just look, it's, they're all supermodels. And they all look yeah, perfect and beautiful. And it's his thing, and that's good. And like everything looks beautiful and it does in this movie too. You have that beauty, you have kind of the best of it, but you also have this, this kind of a little bit rough around the edges feel to it too, where mm-hmm. things are, yeah. are, are more natural. I think, you know, I think where, where Terrence Malick is maybe showing that, that truth and beauty are kind of, the same thing and and whatnot. Uh, Chloe Zhao is kind of doing a little bit of a twist and saying, "Well, I'm going to show you both truth and beauty, but they're not always going to be the same thing. But we'll we'll like we'll get there." So, yeah, yeah. I was actually I hadn't thought of the Terrence Malick like I hadn't thought about that as I was watching it or as I've watched any of her. Film. Well, I've only seen, I guess, two of them. I've seen this in Nomadland. Um, I you haven't seen a Marvel guy, so I, Eternal, yeah. I didn't watch Eternals. <laughs> I heard it was actually pretty terrible. I just I, don't think it was her. I have to mention. Thing. I haven't seen it, but yeah, our uh, mutual friend of Nate's and I's. Uh, his his name is Jared. I was on a run with him the other day, and he asked me, "So, what movie do you think is the worst movie you've ever seen?" Um. And I was like, oh, I have to think about that. I like didn't want to be super critical and didn't want to go into that space. Since then, I know it's Lady in the Water. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Jared, if you're listening, that's my answer to your question. Um, and and for everyone else. Lady but, in the Water is the worst film ever filmed? The worst film I've ever it was, seen. It is not good, but it is... Wow. But... Yeah, this his his you answer. Know that this is gonna be our Oasis film. Yeah, this is gonna this be is where we break up the podcast. I mean, I don't think that was a good film, even for. I mean, I like some of uh, M Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Lost his yeah. name. Yeah, yeah Shyamalan. I I like some of his films for sure, but Lady in the Water wasn't. It was not. It was not that good, but it also I don't think was terrible. Well, yeah. I, I I plan on going. It was no the happening, that's for sure. <laughs> I plan on going for this pretty hard. Um, but that was an aside. Uh, uh, Jared's response was <laughs> the Eternals, and so he actually feels pretty strongly about that too. But I, I you have know, you seen the Eternals? Have you seen it? No, no, I haven't seen it. Which I almost feel like I want to give Chloe Zhao the benefit of the doubt because I love this movie so much. Like this was the second time that yeah. I saw it and I was lucky enough. I didn't know anything about it. I was lucky enough to see it in theaters and mm-hmm. it has made me cry both, both times. And so Jared, yeah. if you're listening, yeah, I, I definitely recommend the writer. I think 
Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll give you new appreciation for the Eternals, but it doesn't matter. Uh, you can just love this movie by itself too. But I, think, I haven't seen. I think the most important distinction between Zhao and Malik, though, is that she doesn't have a character walking through wheat as her <laughs> hand is sweeping across the wheat heads. Are you sure that okay, didn't happen? Not all Terrence Malik. <laughs> I mean, there's the thin red line. That is like you're talking a totally to, you're talking to a guy Malick. who absolutely adores Terrence Malick, but I can, okay. I can, I can, I can beat up on him a little bit too. Ed, Ed, I like, <laughs> I, I also love Terrence Malick. Um, I'm a huge Terrence Malick fan, especially his older things. Yeah, um, I think mm-hmm. up to like Tree of Life. I love Tree of Life. I think oh, up Tree until of Life is his magnum opus, probably. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw it twice in the theaters and I had never heard of Terrence Malick until the tree of life. And I saw it and and I saw it in the theater and I went to it again a second time because I thought it was so stunning. So then red line was the movie that, that got him on my radar. Yeah. What a movie that is, but very. Yeah. 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 I, I, I meant, I meant no disrespect against Terrence Malick. I just find that as to me, what's done is done, man. Yeah. That's that's a criticism that I have when I'm watching it, but I also understand that that's not that's like part of his part of his thing is you know showing beautiful things and and studying things and and that includes the characters and I get that that's part of the the, the game you play with him so it's more of my taste versus are you. Are you saying that the that the people that are starring in the in, in the rider are not beautiful supermodels? <laughs> not not all of them. I think actually it is interesting because I think um, Chloe Zhao mentions that um, that when she saw Brady, she was like, "Oh, I have the next Heath Ledger." So she really did think that he's a beautiful man and he could carry a movie he's a so. handsome guy yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah. yeah but blake did you make the connection yeah. did you make the connection with terrence malick before she said it not initially no but no, it I makes sense even. i mean it totally it, makes it, sense after she said whenever it, they said it, i was like oh uh, yeah uh, it's, and it's really i mean malick is all about the spaces that surround the human stories yeah. It, it's just as much of a character as the human story. And so um, that should have been a telltale sign, but yeah, I didn't pick up on it naturally. Yeah. Did either of you see Nomadland? Yeah. I haven't yet. I've read part of the book that it's based on, but. Okay. I have seen it. I like it. I think I like the writer I, more, but I like me too. Nomadland. Yeah. She, I mean, she does similar things in that movie though too. In just like, mm-hmm. I feel like she again. It's she films an extensive piece part of that movie in the Black Hills, um, again mm, or, yeah. or in the Badlands where this movie was filmed. Different, a different part of it, but, um, but yeah, she, yeah. I, I just think it's so interesting that it was interesting hearing the interview because, you know, here she is from Beijing. Right? Is that right? She's from Beijing, mm-hmm. and then she goes to school in New York and ends up in at Pine Ridge. It's just such a, a f- I've been just fascinated by that piece of her story. Yeah. I haven't seen her first film that she filmed in Pine Ridge. I haven't either. Uh, but but 
it's not definitely on my list to watch very soon. I was hoping to watch it before this podcast, but I haven't had the time. So she mentions uh, too in but, that interview, uh, and I I thought this was fascinating when she was talking about that was that growing up in Beijing, she had a very romantic view of uh, Inner Mongolia, um, not like the mm, coasts. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was fascinating. And I, I don't have that frame of reference uh, because I'm, I'm from the U.S. where we, you know, we love our, our coasts and our mountains and things like that. And the media is all about that. Um, and, and we generally, we talk about states like, uh, the Dakotas as flyover states and we don't really like, um, think about them. Um, and I actually, I was thinking about that in connection with this podcast because I think it was said at one point, the title fly by films, I had originally suggested fly over films you know, in reference to that. So this is kind of like a, a Ooh, perfect callback to that, a movie set in, in South Dakota. Um, I, I had a, maybe that's what we should have done. Jameson. We should have just done movies that were, that took place in flyover States. Yeah. I think there's like <laughs> totally different kind of podcasts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there's, there's maybe like 20 of those movies. <laughs> Yeah, I think sorry. there's only like a hundred movies that don't take place in New York City. So, um, yeah, that's fair. Are those other there's lots of movies that take place in Chicago. I don't know if that's if Illinois and L.A. Oh yeah, yeah. L.A. Chicago, L.A. I think Vertigo does Vertigo take place in San Francisco? Yes, yes, yes. love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but um, yeah. <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you this. So as I'm watching the writer, I'm like, oh, man, I want to move to South Dakota because it just looks so beautiful. And I'm like so drawn to it that you're from South Dakota. Is that just the magic of movies or like do you get like a sense sense of like homesickness and stuff when you watch? Yes, I don't think I did the first time, but this time when I watched it, I was like man, I miss the land. I miss, I miss South Dakota. Like it is, it is a beautiful state, especially I would say the East, what we call West river. So, um, you know, where I'm from is the West side of the state. And this Mm -hmm. is where this takes place is the West side of the state, but like the black Hills, the badlands, like this area is just so beautiful. And there's nothing else like it that I've ever been to the granite the rock formations are just beautiful and so I mean do you want to live there I mean I've definitely missed the land and the people are great I, my family's still there and I love them dearly and you know I miss them and I miss my friends that I have there and things like that you know but you know it's also a very not that we want to talk about politics, but it is a very conservative place. And, yeah. you know, yep. you know, it's, it's, but it, but land wise, man, I, I do miss it. And it is, it is that beautiful. And I think she does a great job of capturing both like the, the opens, the large, these large open spaces, you know, that are, that, you know, for some people, I don't know. I, it, it, it is that beautiful. 
the Badlands are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. It's 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 the closest I've been to homesick for my hometown. Uh, even though I'm from the panhandle of Texas, um, watching a movie about another place because while we're not quite as um, the landscape isn't quite as varied as it is in South Dakota, apparently uh, we do. I mean, where I came from, there's the second largest Canyon in the United States is 15 miles from my hometown. And so you wouldn't know it was there. Yeah. There's a canyon in Texas. <laughs> yep. There, well, so I'm from Canyon, Texas, and 15 miles away is Paladura Canyon, the second largest canyon in the continental United States. Oh, and no we call it the Paladura Ditch because it's not big enough to beat the Grand Canyon. But it is, <laughs> I would I would say, I would say, is it a state wise, park? Or yeah, is it state park? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I would say it's actually prettier than the Grand Canyon. As far as way. its coloring, hmm. yeah, it's way prettier. Wow. I've been to the Grand Canyon. It's it's beautiful, but it's I would still pick Paladura in a fight. <laughs> I love I love how everything's bigger in Texas, and when it's not, we don't call it what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a great joke. Yeah, it's a yeah. I like you. I I whenever I see movies that take place in West Texas and the panhandle, I too miss that space uh, and the people, but you're right. It's politically speaking. There is, there's a lot of things that I, I mean, my own family, I'm the black sheep of my own family. So it's, it's just like me too. Yeah. And I moved to South and then I moved to San Francisco. Yeah. Which my dad calls San Francisco. San Francisco. <laughs> I love my dad dearly. I love my dad dearly. <laughs> but Blake moved from Texas to Oklahoma, so I don't know if he. Yeah, I went That's in the not other that direction. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, not really. No, we gotta get. I don't him think out I've ever been California. There's probably yeah. a little bit more of a varied political atmosphere here than where I came from, but not a whole lot. Well, how is, I mean, you live in Tulsa, which is a, a big city, um, or a city. I don't know how. It's it's yeah. big-ish. Yeah. yeah, it's it's about I think four hundred thousand. Okay, yeah, that's that's much yeah. bigger than yeah. Chico, probably about the size yeah. of Sacramento. So yeah, yeah. But funny enough, uh, Tulsa feels more liberal. But on the voting record alone, Oklahoma City is the more liberal of the two. Mm. So. Interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, there's. <laughs> I put another Terrence Malick connection. He had a movie called The Badlands. So, and we were uh, talking about <laughs> yeah. The Badlands. It was his first film, wasn't it? Or was, was Days, it? Of, Days of Heaven his first film? I... I think of Days of Heaven as his first film, but I might be getting it mixed up. I think it's first and second, whatever, whatever order. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. If only we had a cultural encyclopedia to check this up against at our fingertips. (laughs) Actually, that sounds horrible. Talking about the internet, I (laughs) I don't want to look it up. Um, 
I'd rather live my life just believing certain facts to be true and yeah. And in the big scheme of things, aren't. does it matter? I actually thought I think it's Badlands was his first film. I think and Days of Thunder or Days of Days of Thunder. That's a whole different film. Days of Heaven <laughs> was his. isn't Days of Thunder uh, Tom Cruise? I think Nicole it's a Kidman. terrible Tom Cruise like nascar movie yeah he's he's a racing yeah race car driver days of heaven was a second film but i could be wrong i'm pretty sure that's the case though yeah well in any case uh, i actually haven't seen badlands i've seen uh days of heaven so yeah i thought days of heaven was a better film than badlands i think i'm actually the opposite i think i've seen badlands but not days of heaven so Um, yeah. I'm glad we talked about Terrence Malick. That was, that was fun time. I knew we yeah, were going um, to, and you know, <laughs> there's no getting around it after that interview. But, yeah, but I what, do. I am a huge fan. Yeah. One other yeah. other thing I thought that was interesting about uh, that interview that I tried to look up after was at the end she uh, talks about a movie that she's going to make next that wasn't the movie that she made next. She talks yeah. about making a movie about Bass Reeves. Um, who yep. was a African American sh- uh, lawman in Oklahoma? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I also looked that up. I would someone else. Someone else made a movie about it. It was low budget. I saw it at the local indie theater here because I think it was a local director, mm. and it was not good. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if she's gonna do it, or if it just got delayed, or if she's just not gonna do it. So I saw an interview with her or a write-up in Rolling Stone dated in 2001, right after Eternals came out, where, um, or did Eternals come out in 2001? 2000, not 2001, 2001. Yeah, 2021. Man, what is going on? Time. It's the safe way select. (laughs) Taking my brain. Um, 2021. Although, I'm trying to think, yeah, yeah, after Eternals came out, and um, it mentions that this is still in the pipeline. So I think there's still hope that we might get this movie, and she's still working on it. I would like her to do that movie. I hope, I really hope that she doesn't make more movies like the Eternals. Like, I just feel like that was a very strange, I mean, I didn't see it. I don't watch many marvel films but i i think that it was a strange move for her and i really hope it's not i hope i hope that it didn't do well like by the critics that it's she's gonna be like yeah that wasn't i tried it it really wasn't my thing and that's okay yeah. i think i think with with the marvel movies i've seen and this includes even ones that are are directed by you know the auteurs uh uh they don't feel personal. They feel like they were kind of decided upon by uh, a committee of people. And I think that's probably the way that Disney likes to handle things where I think, I think the only, the only Marvel film I would say felt like an actual vision of the director was Ragnarok. You know, I didn't, I saw that and I didn't, even get that feeling for that one maybe you know i i don't know and it's it's largely the fact that they just allowed so much humor yeah 
that was really the first time you saw that amount of humor in a Marvel film. Uh, and of course, it was the first time that YTT mm-hmm. directed in the Marvel Universe. I haven't seen the other one because I gave up watching superhero movies after <laughs> Endgame. I was like, eh, I've seen it. <laughs> this was supposed There's to be no the more. end game. Why are there <laughs> exactly. more? And it just keeps going. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was it was just such a strange thing because all of her movies, even Nomadland, I mean, in Nomadland, there's only, I think there's two professional actors in that movie mm-hmm. and everybody else is not. And, you know, she just uses these and everybody else plays themselves in that movie mm-hmm. in Nomadland, except those two characters. And so to go to a film that is not just, not just like, not just, uh, yeah, now my whiskey's talking to me. Not just like, a, you know, it, it's it's not just like a Hollywood film, but it's a Marvel film. Yeah. yeah. It's just such a strange move for her. I was surprised when I heard that she had said yes to that and did it. It was very odd to me. It's it's a dramatic, dramatic shift. But yeah, I, I, I'm sure the paycheck was nice and it can fund other indie movies. And that's, that's That's a good point. That's usually what people tell me when I complain about this stuff. And I'm like, eh, okay. Yeah. I guess if, if you think your time is, is, you know, worth it, then yeah, go for it. That's a good point. Uh, If you think it's a good idea, then go right ahead. Yeah. It's not, it's not my life. (laughs) Make the, make the movies you want to make. Um, if you want to waste your time, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it does sound pretty judgy when I say it like that. Oh, um, I, I I completely agree. I look forward to the day when we find out we get news that some famous director, auteur, uh, denied Marvel, and they came knocking at their at his or her door, and they were just like, "Nope, screw you." I look forward to that day. It'll happen eventually, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to bring up too uh, one thing that was striking, like more striking this time. This uh, the second viewing of the movie was uh, I, I felt like the portrayal of Christianity in this movie was really interesting. I don't know if you guys also picked up on that. Um, in the, I think the first scene where it's kind of uh kind of plays out a little bit is when he and his friends are are like <laughs> kind of drinking they're uh they're they're sharing actually they're having a, a interesting community moment too uh where they're sharing their fears and stuff and one of them's like hey let's all pray for lane and uh and mm-hmm. it yeah, then I mean, kind it... of plays out a little bit yeah. like a I think it's a bit prayer to me. And I think then, you have to also remember also where it's taking place. Like it is taking place on a high ridge. So of, it is, it is a, it is a form I mean, it of almost Christianity feels for like sure. They're using um, some native American spirituality very, to it. You know, and I wasn't actually Lakota sure if. And praying in Lakota. Was, so there is, um, there is spirituality uh, there. You guys and I think froze. There is Christianity there. I don't sure. know if you're there anymore. Um, but I'm I think, gonna... I think there, I think. It is it is wrapped up in in uh in in also the Lakota uh kind of spirituality for sure, which is which is very deep there. Mm-hmm. But I think also 
but I think also the the very interesting thing about that is is it was this very I mean in some ways it's this very man like masculine film you know in so many ways and you, you see all these guys like sitting around the fire and talking about all the ways in which they were hurt in the rodeo and all these things and kind of like sharing these 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 things and then they're like I mean it was kind of this interesting break of this very masculine film um or a different way of being masculine or something to kind of yeah to, to have this moment of prayer I mean that that moment is beautiful and it does show up like man that that scene where he says goodbye to Gus the horse mm. is uh yeah. And he prays, he prays for the horse at that point too, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, he says this little prayer for Gus Is it? and it is, it is striking. Was it Apollo or Gus? No, it was Gus. Gus. It was Gus when he says, when he says goodbye to Gus, um, he says a little prayer for Gus and, uh, yeah, cause he's, you know, his dad's, his dad sold Gus. Um, so it was kind of his ongoing but but it is it is wrapped I I think up in not only Christianity but in Lakota spirituality yeah. that that I think we that I think is is there very deeply there among the the, the people of Pine Ridge and the people of the Lakota. So well, it's and the one thing I noted, and not so much with the prayer at the campfire, but <clears throat> the quips that were made. I, I remember. Towards the end, Freddie um, says something to Lily about, you know, uh, God making things, you know, making people uh, mm-hmm. for for something. And cowboys are meant to ride. And, you know, he was talking about Apollo at that point, saying, like, he could no longer play in Braun. And so, uh, but the thing I like about the way she uses that is that those clips are often, uh, I would imagine pretty similar in South Dakota as it is in the panhandle. Um, those clips are used kind of willy nilly as meaningless kind of throwaway lines, um, of spirituality in those spaces. And what she does with those is, imbibes them with more meaning than I've heard in a while. Um, she makes a, a, a space in which like they could be seen in a different way mm-hmm. <laughs> than just like throwaway lines. Yeah. They're, um, they're almost because I've heard a lot of these things as, you know, growing up and, and they are, they pretty much just, you know, why dust them off my shoulder. It's, Oh, okay. You're just being, kind or you know whatever yeah yeah they're almost like cliches that she is yeah. is showing in kind mm-hmm. of a an interesting light or showing like the the truth behind them you know yeah and i think the beautiful thing about the film is i mean one one of the many beautiful things about the film is that and one of the things i think i really love about it is that you know, so many films such as this, you would expect him to to kind of, you know, if it's the cowboy's purpose to ride, then, you know, he would just really follow his dreams and 
go back uh-huh. to the rodeo. But he doesn't do that, and his dreams have to change. And his dreams aren't what he thought they were going to be. Yeah. And and that there's this moment where he goes back to the rodeo, and you know, his dad is like, you know, why do I want to come watch you kill yourself? You know? Yeah. And then and then he goes to the rodeo and he's about to get on the Bronco to ride again. And he looks over and his dad and his sister are there. And he just has this moment of like, yeah, you know what? My dreams have changed or mm-hmm. they need to change. And so he, he doesn't get on the Bronco and he still rides. You know, yeah. he still trains horses. That's what he does for a living. You know, he trains horses yeah. and he does ride, but he probably will never rodeo again. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so the, the, you know, this thing of like following your dreams and, you know, you can overcome everything to follow your dreams. Sometimes things happen where your dreams actually have to change. And it's, it's, it's this, I think it's what she gets at with just like not over, it's not over sentimental, you know, of this thing that, that my life has changed now. And now I train horses and I go and see, you know, that there's the ending scene mm. with with Lane Scott is like is is the beautiful thing of like, hey, I'm going to train horses. and I'm going to come see my friend Lane Scott, who's in this hospital and is in a chair who speaks to me with his his hand. <laughs> you know, yeah. that that's what life is going to be about. And it's beautiful, you know. Yeah. And here's Lane Scott sitting in sitting in his chair who, you know, he can't walk. And he's, you know, he's speaking with sign language with one hand. And he says, you know, follow, don't give up on your dreams. But that phrase means something totally different now. Even for Lane, you know, Lane Scott is like, what is, what are my dreams now? And, you know, you see this beautiful moment where uh, Brady, you know, takes his hands and helps him remember what it's like to be on a horse. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It's it's a really beautiful thing of like this radical, um, um, this radical acceptance of what is now, mm-hmm. in a way that says I do, I don't wish anymore. You know, I'm sad about the loss of my dreams, but I'm actually living into this radical accept, acceptance of what is, and I'm going to do do what's in front of me, and not just mm-hmm. be sad about what what I don't have anymore, but live into the radical acceptance of what is. It's really, it's a really powerful, it's really, those scenes with Lane Scott are just unbelievably shot and unbelievable. Um, just really beautiful. Yeah. And knowing that those guys were friends since they were like two. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like this is a long, like best friends since they were two. Like this is a long friendship. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I was really reading. Really beautiful. I think I was reading like all of those scenes were filmed in one day too. Um, because they oh, okay. they went to visit Lane Scott and I think they uh, he was in Omaha at the time um, and so they went to visit him but apparently uh, so he was a rodeo uh, star and there was gonna be like a documentary made about him and he got in a car accident so that was his accident yeah. in real life and uh, the documentary crew pulled out which um i remember oh, like wow. i think i read somewhere where zao was like 
that's unfortunate because this is where the story almost starts for her was this. Um, I think you mentioned it, the way you kind of described, you know, follow your dreams and how, how this movie kind of twists that it almost, it almost feels like an, (laughs) an un-American film, even though it's like deeply American because it's about, you know, the, these, (laughs) these, yeah. Um, people in, in the Americas, but like, um, like we're so like, that's so embedded in our culture is follow your dreams. And like you said, most movies would end like the, everyone else has to realize that this one person gets to follow their dreams, mm-hmm. you know, um, instead of, instead of changing it. And I, I think it's really interesting too how, you kind of mentioned the movie has a lot of like manliness, what it is to be a man and stuff. And and I get that as, as a man watching this, you know, I get kind of convicted of that. And it's funny how a lot of times being a man <laughs> gets pitted against taking care of the community around you as like options that you yeah. choose. And I don't know. I think that's, that's just kind of wild how that, those always seem to be opposed, but I don't know why. I don't know why that is um, in our culture. But yeah, I don't either. But it's. I think that's right on. I mean, I think that's a hundred percent of like what's what's going on in this film is like, you know, he still, you know, he cares for his sister. Yeah. You know, he goes and sees Lane Scott. I think you know in that interview he says he goes to see him once a month, which probably means you know, some travel to get to where Lane Scott is and, yeah. you know, this commitment to this long friendship that he's had since he's two. And, you know, it is interesting. Like if this wouldn't have, you know, if he wouldn't have had this injury, which I don't, I'm not all about, like, I don't think that, you know, I want to be very careful here. I don't, I don't think that, I don't, I don't think that his injury was God's intention or anything like that. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that's garbage. I think that's garbage theology and I think that's garbage everything. But but I think there is like this thing of like if, you know, he has a he and Lane Scott have a very different connection now because of because of both of their having to give up what they thought was gonna be their life. And it's so different now. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. they've got a very different connection, um, and a very deep connection, plus just knowing each other for so many years, you know growing up together so yeah yeah I, th- I think those I think that's right Jamie and I think uh, you talked about it it's just like caring for the community around you is anti-masculine and this kind of brings that piece out of like that's so important yeah yeah actually like yeah having you suggested to me to watch again that really stood out to me and I was I was like thinking about you I was thinking about how like you made your decision and your life about community with sojourners and, and like reminding like how you already kind of mentioned, you know, how he cares for his sisters with dis- with disability and, and his friend Lane Scott and stuff like that. And I, I mm-hmm. thought about you and like your job and just the, the vocation that you do. So anyway, it just clarified these things. I don't, I don't mean to like, put you on the spot about any of them but like yeah it helped clarify yeah i mean i think it's why i connect i think it is why i connect with this film so deeply yeah 
you know, because it is a film that isn't just a, you know, I think there's so many films out there and so many narratives out there that are like, you know, the Disney narrative or, you know, it just plays in so much about, you know, to follow your dreams means sometimes you have to leave your family and you have to like, you know, leave the people you care about to do what you want. And I think that this is just a very different, a different narrative Mm -hmm. that's saying, Hey, like caring about the people who are right in front of you can be a form of following your dreams or something. I think it's really, uh, really beautiful. Yeah. So, and, and I think it's why I connect with the film so deeply uh, with it. So, yeah, I work with, I work in the school system. So I work with, um, I work at a school with Mod Severe Program with kids in wheelchairs. And I've worked with one little girl uh, specifically since she was three and now she's 11. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I like it. I call that uh, that storyline that you mentioned about, <clears throat> you know, following your dreams at the expense of everything and everyone. I call that the 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 individualistic manifest destiny. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's 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 that whole westward movement that has kind of entered into the soul now. Yeah, and it's just about our individual like goals and. Yeah, it's I it's it's funny because y'all y'all mentioned how the follow your dreams at the very end. When I first heard that, I I was I was off put in the moment because I was like, oh, I just wanted something a little bit more, you know, <laughs> thoughtful or something. But then I was like, that's that's how it goes, though. Like that's the kind of thing you would hear. Like that's not you're not gonna hear this grand like poetic statement you know between these two people it's just not gonna happen that way and so so i was like so they're forcing us to to rethink what that means at that moment in the film uh and i was pretty impressed with that even though i was off putting them at the very beginning i was like oh not that line (laughs) yeah it is it is a little bit off putting a little bit cheesy maybe in the moment but but as I watched it again, right before we we recorded or right, we started talking again, I I feel like there's this there's this facial expression that Brady has when 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 Lane Scott kind of does it, and Lane and it's not like you know he's it's like Brady's thinking about it, and immediately he gets down and like you know takes Lane Scott's hands and mm-hmm. helps him imagine being on the horse again, and so there's just this shift of like of um there's a shift in, in even in that moment for, for yeah. Brady, I think of like, Oh, this is, this is what my life now is. And I need to accept, and I'm accepting what my new dream is. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I don't think I've ever, I, uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen a film that has made me think, damn, this is really good hand acting before this film. Like, I was like, I was struck by that. I was like, oh, we usually focus on faces or like the whole body and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, she really <laughs> focuses on hands. And I think the characters like pull off. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, you really are struggling with like you're having a seizure. Like, I believe it. I buy it. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was an aside, but like also like the moments with the hands with like Lane Scott and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, so one of the things that I was thinking about <clears throat> that hit me pretty hard and it was surrounding the Lane Scott Brady moments in the film. And this is really prior to the final scene is when he's still trying to struggle with giving up that dream, you know, of, of rodeoing and, and whatnot. But in my mind, I was thinking, and this is partially the context in which I'm currently living in is being faced with your potential future. Um, whenever he goes to visit Lane after the accident, he's, he's seeing this is, this is something that could happen. Like this is, this is my, this is possibly my future. If I keep this, keep going with this. Um, not necessarily, but it's a possibility. Um, I think I was thinking about how I, do that with my own father uh knowing he has alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and kind of looking at him and being like this is this is potentially my future (laughs) i don't have the choice necessarily that that brady does uh, in the matter uh it's a little bit more dicey genetically than uh (laughs) than his uh, choices are but um but there's this this element of like facing yourself yeah. uh, in, in in that moment and and what yeah. could become uh, and it was really powerful. I and I think that's what hit me the most leading up to that that final scene um, is that in that final scene he he embraces like <laughs> he 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 quits and so more than likely he won't end up like Lane, but he's embracing who Lane is. He's detaching and saying he's both embracing and detaching. It's, it's weird. Like he's, he's saying, I'm going to be with you. Uh, even though I'm pulling back and saying, you know, I, I don't need to risk that part of myself. Um, it was, I had some complicated feelings. Yeah. Watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that that that's probably what brought me the closest to the tears throughout the the, the film yeah. was just the noticing that relationship between the two of them. Um and also his relationship with his dad was pretty So that <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was another whole thing that I kinda wanted to talk about, I think, was his relationship uh-huh. with his dad. Because at the beginning of the film, I think this was also really cool, is at the beginning of the film, it's kind of tropey in a little bit of yeah. like, you have this dad who's an alcoholic and he's just going to be this bad guy. And and then, and you know, he kind of says some shitty things and mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, you shouldn't have done what you did and it's all your fault. And just kind of like your traditional kind of trope of an alcoholic dad. Mm-hmm. But there, but about halfway through the film, he buys Apollo, 
he buys this horse, this other horse, or, you know, make sure he gets Apollo. And there's just this like change of like, oh, there's more to, to his dad and more to this relationship than just a, it's, it's a much more deeper and a much more complicated relationship than just a, um, than just an alcoholic dad. Which at the beginning of the movie, I was, you know, you're kind of like, oh, okay, this is, like I said, it's kind of a trope. But it ends up being something that is much more complex of a relationship than that, where you see his dad. Yeah, he's got some faults for sure, but he cares deeply for his son. And, you know, I think I wonder, like, how much he's, like, having to um, kind of he's having to adjust to the way his, his, the newness of his son and, you know, who he is and, um, you know, um, but it shows for sure how much he does care for him. And even at the end where he's like, why do I want to go and watch you kill yourself? Like could be seen as just kind of this kind of jerk dad of like, you're not allowing your son to follow his dreams or something, <laughs> but it ends up being this really powerful moment when he when he actually goes to watch mm-hmm. him and then Brady sees him and his and his sister there and it's like oh yeah i'm not going to do this because i have people in my life who who need me and i need them and so i'm not going to i'm not going to do this thing oh, and i'm going to do something different it, it the relationship with his dad i found to be really pretty complex and much much about halfway through the film i'm like okay this is this is better than than a than just an alcoholic dad yeah i i 100 agree with that i um i think that that scene where his dad shows up at the rodeo and then also um the scene where he like can't bring himself to kill apollo and who does he call? He calls his dad and his dad is there. And yeah. and there's not like, I feel like in, in lesser movies, you'll get like kind of a quip about like, what, you weren't manly enough to do this. Um, yeah. Like you didn't, you couldn't do it. Uh, you didn't have it in you, but he doesn't do that. He like understands you could, you can also see in that scene that, that he's not just like kind of a barbaric owner of horses too, that the dad like, Oh, he did learn all of these things from his dad. Like they are horse people and that they care about these animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all have a deep connection. So I think you see that in that scene too. Um, and, and yeah, that just kind of, shows that he is he's a deeper person than just an alcoholic and and kind of putting it in light of of like brady might maybe their tension at the time too is coming from the fact that like the dad has already kind of had to move to that stage where my dreams are are my community are my daughter, my son, and, you know, and taking care of them. And in some senses, Brady might be like rebelling against that and saying like, I don't want to be, I'm not ready to be that yet. And that's, that's the journey the movie goes on too. So. 
Do you think that the dad, because there's a scene right before he goes to a rodeo where uh, they get into that little bit of a spat um, and Brady is saying, like, whatever happened to that that shit that used to tell me, like, you know, put put some dirt on it, you know, yeah. be tough mm-hmm. as nails, all this stuff. I'm just thinking to myself, like, this is where the whole, like, them actually being father and son I'm thinking to myself, even if I was the father acting as a father in that space, I would still have a hard time hearing those things being said to me by my actual son, even if it was (laughs) because it's still about his life. Like it's still vaguely about like that relationship. And so I'm just like, like I almost kind of like cringe whenever I hear that (laughs) because that's like reliving trauma. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it stings uh to a factor of sixty percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it but, it, but it still 60%. stings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh now that it's the, the the movie can be a bit of a mind fuck when it comes to like thinking about the narrative and also the difficulties that are the conflicts that are coming up in the, in the narrative. And then the fact that they're actually real people somewhat living out their real life. And I'm just like, Oh (laughs) yeah. It's, Uh, it's really interesting to kind of think about like whose, whose voice is kind of coming through at the moment and in different scenes, like, cause you have, you know, you have, almost like three voices you have like the voice of the real people the voice of the actors and then also the voice Mm -hmm. of the director who and 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 the crew you know the various members there but the director who kind of is pulling things in different directions as as stuff and yeah this usually i think in movies you just have kind of two voices (laughs) You have the actors and the the director, whereas this one, you know, you have kind of this third one, and it makes things really confusing. Yeah, Yeah. and I wonder what, you know, one piece that I I didn't hear in any interviews that I listened to or watched was, you know, whether that's how his dad was, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's hard to know if that was for dramatic effect. Or if that was real, because, you know, in his real life, he had his mom and in the movie, his mom Mm -hmm. has died, Mm -hmm. but his mom is still alive currently. And so that was kind of for dramatic effect. And I wonder kind of, I wonder what she was thinking about that. I wonder if it was to like, kind of put the focus on the relationship between he and his dad. Um, But it was an interesting choice to take mom out of the picture. It kind of makes the whole masculine kind of thing just all the more dramatic or something yeah. and so it's, it's hard to know like what her reasoning for taking his mom out of the picture was but it definitely puts the focus on um you know on that because lily is really the only his sister lily is really the only female yeah there's kind of character yeah. there's there's some incidental characters along the way but yeah 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 well, uh, that was a good film. Was, yeah, I liked it. Good, just, pick. good pick. Yeah, just to say too, <laughs> like, 
those scenes just to, just one more thing like those scenes where he's training the horses oh. are really phenomenal scenes and to know that that is those are just him training horses like that is yeah. real time him training horses and i also watched i should have sent this to you guys but there was a there was a, a short like 11 minute film where he goes to patagonia he goes to south he goes to south america patagonia and is with some horse trainers down there and actually is training horses down there and it's really beautiful like he's kind of becoming wow. this like known horse trainer you know like he's really he's like a horse whisperer like he's really good at what he does and you know like chloe is when he when he saw him with the horses she was like and this was before his accident when she saw him mm -hmm. you know for the first time and was like i want to film this because he he gets horses like like no one else yeah. so yeah i i think that and so those scenes are just so so cool yeah i think that's one to think that he's at, he was actually being paid on yeah. jobs when they were filming yeah, this. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's getting double pay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, rack it up, Brady. I think they call <laughs> that hustle culture. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, Definitely not quite quitting. I think that's really fascinating, too. <laughs> like, just... I, I, I don't want to call it luck. Because, like, it... it involved his injury but like you know i think it's just a way of, of looking at things how she met him and she wanted to like make a movie with him and it was a couple years before his accident and then the accident happened mm -hmm. and then like oh i i know what this movie is going to be about and then they formulate the movie about it after that too so yeah, just, yeah really interesting it, 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 interesting you know just the the place and time they were in and i i think just gives <laughs> gives proof to how talented a filmmaker zhao must be to just be able to go in and listen to people's stories and see people and then figure out cool stories to tell from that so yeah and i feel like that's what she did with nomadland as well mm -hmm except the main character isn't really that like the main character, you know, is, I don't remember who plays her. Francis McDormand, Francis McDormand. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, and uh, anyway, but all, all the side characters in that film are, are those, are those characters, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and not that, you know, I think Francis McDormand is playing is playing, is playing a you know a real person but it's not the real person playing her where all the other side characters are actually actually them i know i'm getting her name i know i've said her name incorrectly before francis mcdormand francis mcdormand yeah mm -hmm. my friend greg and i yeah. who we've talked about i think yes. three times already on this podcast on this particular episode um <laughs> we forgot her name one day and we couldn't remember it and then <laughs> then it which i forgot popped into our minds like at some later point in the day and we just kept shouting at each other francis mcdormand francis mcdormand so every time we have to say francis mcdormand's name we always say it multiple times which is why i said it multiple times just now so nice yeah thanks Good. Really, Jameson, you didn't have to come up with that backstory, that fake backstory <laughs> to, to to explain why you had to say it so many yeah. times. 
That's such well, high. that backstory was 40% real, 60% made up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just quick, uh, ha- ha- have either of one of you, speaking of just like giving up your dreams and uh, yes, like this radical yes. acceptance, I've, have either have, have any of you seen uh, the movie uh, The Sound of Metal? Yeah. Uh, I have not. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's another one that I... There's a, I feel like the, there's two or three years there where I had an ongoing list of movies I needed to see and I never got around to seeing any of them. And Sound of Metal was one of them. I thought that was a great film. Yeah. On a lot of levels. It was it a out. really good film. I recommend it. Just another film about this rad- radical acceptance of, of, of a, new, a new way of mm. being and really, really well-made film. I liked it. Do you happen to see The Way Back? With Ben Affleck, I thought it's that a little was more okay. mainstream version of it. I didn't. The, I, don't I don't think don't. I've seen it. I saw it. I didn't <laughs> think like, it was that good, but I don't remember it that well, yeah. which is probably just one of those things. It's a war film, yeah, isn't it? The way true. back? No, 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 no. That's the way way back. Or something <laughs> no, like that. no. The way back is the one about Wait, there's the, the uh, way back the, and the way way. No. Back? Yeah, there's like the way way back. The long and then there's like the long way back and then like there's like three or four different movies with similar oh, names. I guess I probably. Oh, this is about the film you're talking. This about. is Ben Affleck is the one. He's a he's an alcoholic who gets a job at a as a Catholic basketball coach uh, at a Catholic that. private school, and it it basically has a similar ending of like accepting a new understanding of self. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, the way way back is actually a coming of age movie about a uh, kid who they have a Volvo and he sits in the back of the Volvo and that's the way way back. Ah, uh, so. see, there's another one because I know which one you're talking about. There's a Nate. war film, that, right? It's a war film. Back? It's it's a war ish film. I think it's like. It it takes place during a conflict. I'm not sure the actual focus is on the war. What is the name of that film? Anyway, it doesn't matter. (laughs) We must know. (laughs) Google, give me the answer. (laughs) I know. I was going to look, but then I remembered our conversation earlier where we said, you know, sometimes it's just not, it's just good not to look and just kind of let let the mystery be. Let the mystery change. And now, right. now it's gonna. All of those movies are either the way back or the way way back. Now, they can take that. And then the long, the way, long back. way back. The long way back. Oh. I don't know. Um. Anyway. Any last thoughts on the movie or anything? That's definitely one I'm going to return to, um, and I'm hoping to actually watch it in one sitting next time. Yeah, uh, so I can feel all the feels. Let me know if you're able to get Melissa to watch it. I'd love to hear what she thought about it. Man, she is she's hard to read sometimes as to what she because I've had times when I thought this movie is going to be perfect. This is going to be like excellent, like Melissa film watching, and she would come away from it just absolutely despising it. So I'm, I somewhat just gave up. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anything, but it seems like the reason why she didn't like uh, 
rewind be kind rewind was that it was over sentimental at the end right she hated the end right where this is very anti-sentimental but that's the problem is that she's got she's got she doesn't like that either (laughs) but does she she like an ending she likes an ending no, she wants a nice wrapped up. So, so, so the way she the, the way she explains her movie choices is that she either wants the ending to be wrapped up in a nice, neat bow, or she wants to watch a film where she feels like she has to ingest her own liver. Uh, so we're talking like movies like uh, Hotel Rwanda, mm. where she feels the obligation to watch these films because they're about big, important, hard topics. So, yeah, that's not yeah. really this film. No, I think that's why there's I like too it. much ambiguity in the end. Mm-hmm. You guys, she so I so I made her watch Nope, which I absolutely adore. Uh, and she came away from the movie and she's like, So they're still poor and the ranch <laughs> is still gonna. And I was like, I haven't, I haven't actually seen it yet, so. <laughs> Well, don't worry. It didn't ruin anything. No, I'm sure not. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a weird uh, takeaway from... Yeah, I was like, but they're closer as a brother and sister? <laughs> that's kind of the point? <laughs> yeah. She was not, she was not pleased. She was, she was like, yeah, I, I can't believe you made me watch that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've just given up makes me want to watch it i haven't i haven't watched it yet so it's, it's, i'll have it's, to watch it i i like it I, I know jameson was a little less uh in love with it when he first watched it, it but i think it grew on me yeah it grew on him a little bit yeah. so it was something that stuck with me yeah all right well uh nate it was a pleasure having you on the podcast um yeah, it was great to be here. Yeah. It was fun to talk with you guys. So I, I hope I hope Thank it was you for fun. being our only listener. It was. I loved it. Yeah, it was great fun. <laughs> Thanks for watching my movie. Yeah. Yeah. Not my thank movie. For, my, thank you my for movie picking choice. It. Yeah. I was a little nervous because Jamie said that uh, Blake had said to give me to give you guys my worst. Oh. Well yeah. Do your worst. <laughs> yeah. Do your worst. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> I was like <laughs> No, no, I, 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 I always, I always tell people that because I'm not afraid of watching, you know, that one movie that you always love that everyone else hates. Everyone's mm, got one of yes. those. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. So I would have been fine if you'd picked one of those too. Man. Yeah, yeah. But this podcast, we watch anything. So yeah. this was a great mm-hmm. pick, and I know your Halloween, <laughs> your 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 Halloween choices <laughs> prove that. I'll say I did listen to those podcasts. I didn't. The only the only Halloween, the only October movie I watched was the um, We're All Going to the World's Fair. Okay. I didn't yeah. watch the other ones. That's probably a good choice. Yeah, I, 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 I think you made the right choice. That's our that's our recommended guide. What you just did. So, yeah. 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 We're hoping to pick uh, maybe some slightly better selections this year uh for halloween eh. or not i don't know <laughs> jameson's not so sure yeah 
I like the filth. Uh, still a few months away. Yeah, quite a few. All right. Yeah. They are definitely forgettable. That's for sure. Yes, they are. All right. Movies that have been forgotten for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we'll see you on the other side, Nate. Peace. Peace.